Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day, it is episode 89 of Thrive Deeper. It's your old pal DJ Payne here with you. And we've taken the Thrive Deeper machine out. We've given it a bit of a dust off. We've changed the batteries, given it a slightly new paint job. And now the show is coming to you every two weeks, every fortnight, a new episode of Thrive Deeper. It's still Matthew Jacoby and myself going through the Thrive Daily Reading Guide with you. And on this week, we will be going through the book of Exodus, chapter 4 to 7. We're getting ready for the big 10 plagues. But there's so much going on in the Thrive Network that I want to drop in halfway through this week's episode, let you know a little bit about it, and then pop in back at the end and catch up with you then. All right, so let's get into the book of Exodus here on Thrive Deeper. In the USA, <laughs> I, I'm all over the place. You are. I, you are quite, uh, quite literally. Um, yeah, now, I am. I'm, now, now, obviously, when we're recording this, you're right. here. We're in recording Geelong. that. We're recording this ahead of time. That's yeah, right. But you're uh, heading over to the states for a Sons of Cora tour. Yep, for two weeks, California. Yay! Just mm. California. Yeah, just California. Okay. Well, LA itself is like a country. I think yes. LA has the population of Australia. <laughs> So you're right, uh, you're right, you're right. Yeah, I mean, and most of the time is spent around the LA area. I mean, you know, we've yeah. got a number of um, concerts there, and then up uh, as far as Bakersfield and fantastic. Uh, yeah, so that's it. I mean, you don't have to go far. That's America's just so like it's the massive cities. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's um, it'd be good. Now, if if by chance mm. someone is listening to this, downloaded it. And listening to it today as it comes out, wow. you guys are still in the USA. Is yeah. there a chance that they can come and see you live if they're in California? Yeah, there is. Okay. Yeah. So I, I can't tell you exactly. I, I mean, I, <laughs> I haven't even looked at the itinerary yet, so I'm not sure where we are, uh, what we're doing. But The best way to do that, I'll give everybody a heads up. Have a look at sunsacora.com, isn't it? Sunsacora.com? Uh, yeah, yep. And that'll have all the gig guide and yeah, everything like will. that. Yeah. And you can find out where if you're in California, you can yeah. get to California and you're listening to the, you're like, oh, I can get there because you're there till about March the 3rd or uh, so. Yeah, yeah, about that. Yeah. I might yeah. have a look at sunsacora.com myself. And <laughs> it's about, it's about <laughs> should, time you went over I there. I should actually a take a look and see. Now, this is our first, uh, we've gone back to what we originally started with over a year ago. And now we're back to fortnightly podcasts. We mm. thrive deeper. Yeah. And the exciting thing is, as everybody is listening to this, last week mm. our very first episode of Thrive mm. Perspectives yeah, came out. That's right. So now, and again, doing a little bit of housework to begin with, we've got two podcasts going because you know how much you all wanted to have more of Matt and I yeah. uh, in, in your ears. We've got two podcasts now. We've got Thrive Deeper, this Bible study accompaniment to the Bible, um, uh, you know, reading guide that yeah. is Thrive. Yeah. So this is coming out fortnightly. Now, the the biggest thing that will affect us as we do this fortnightly is, and the biggest thing that we're going to have to struggle through Mm. with this, and we already know this, we've been talking about it off microphone, is we love getting into the weeds of of the passages and stuff. And we could spend a long, long time, you know, getting Mm. right into it. 
we're trying to cram a lot, two weeks' worth of reading into mm. a fortnightly show. So yeah. we're going to have to skim over some passages. Yeah, I, I actually, in some ways, I, I don't mind that. I think it's going to discipline us to do something that actually I think readers of the Bible should do more often and actually try to see the forest for the trees. Yes. Uh, because the, the meaning is in the bigger blocks. I think what tends to happen is that we get pulled down into the details so much that, that we, we miss the big picture. And actually what, what I want to focus on very much as we move forwards, and I've, we're, I've, we've been doing this yeah, uh, yeah. already, is actually the, the, the role of the different stories that we work through, um, uh, the, the role of each section, even if we're looking at a, a letter of Paul's, again, there you can get so drawn into the details yes. that you miss. What is the overall thing that he's trying to do? Yeah. You know, when we look at a passage in Scripture... You know, uh, when, for example, when we looked at that strange story of Judah and and Tamar, Tamar and yep. it's like, well, what is the role of this story? Yeah, you know, because you just have a strange story. Yeah, the way to understand that first and foremost is to understand the role of it uh, in 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 the narrative, and I think that makes a lot of things make sense. That that I think is what people look at these strange stories and think, what is with that? Because you can't just look at a story and draw a clear moral from it. That's not what this is about. This isn't like Aesop's fables. Yes, or, yes. Um, it, they have a different role. They have this, you know, they prophetically foreshadow things in the future and we're going to look at a strange story uh, today yeah. uh, where that's the case. Awesome. Okay, that's, mm. a gr- that's a great point. I'm looking <clears throat> forward to that because like you say, that's a good discipline because yeah. sometimes we who have been in the word for a long time, it's sort of easier yeah. To fall back into, you know, some of the some of the minute details. Not easier yeah. is not the right word, but it, yeah. it can we can lose, you know, lose yeah. some of the bigger picture that we're trying yeah. to put out there. So that's what we're going to be doing with Thrive Deeper going forward. Uh, and as as you might you might have just heard for the first time, oh, what there's a new podcast. Yeah, it's Thrive Perspectives. Not to make it complicated, I know that not everybody is a podcast dweeb like myself, but it is a separate feed. You have to subscribe to it. It's an all-new podcast, Thrive Perspectives. You just search for that in your podcast players. You find it, you subscribe to it there. We're going to be linking to it all over our Facebook pages and I'm going to force Matt to maybe even put an Mm. Instagram post up and even his own personal thing just to get out there and let people know Mm. what we're doing. And you'll be able to find it out there, Thrive Perspectives, Thrive Deep but two fortnightly shows different in their in their focus but hopefully somehow you'll you'll feel like it's connected you know in, in with yeah. some sort of connection yeah. there yeah. Uh, so keep your eyes peeled for that I'm really excited I'm looking forward to 2020 as we uh, as we move ahead and try some different things here now we're in the land of of Egypt, mm, and we, we are in the book of Exodus. Mm. Last last fortnight, last episode, we looked at the, uh, you know, setting the scene here for the book of Exodus coming out of the, 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 book, of, uh, the book of Genesis roughly 400 years after Joseph. We mm. are introduced to probably the second most important character in the Bible, yep. and that is Moses. Yeah, that's right. Uh, as we said last time, Moses' importance is highlighted in the fact that the writer of Hebrews feels like he needs to make the point as to how Jesus is superior to Moses. Yeah. So he is a very uh, important character. Now, one of the interesting things uh, is one well, of the questions. I, I mean, I, I know we have questions, but I've got a question that I'm going to pose. And then Whoa, <laughs> I like it. I like it. We do yes. have some questions to yeah. start off. Uh, 
is it's interesting that Aaron becomes the one whose descendants really essentially have uh, are acknowledged and and who and that's an in 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 the ancient world this is an important thing what role do the descendants of this person have yes now the interesting thing about Moses is his descendants don't really feature amount to anything it's really. Moses and then it doesn't start any um, line of priests or line of kings yeah. or line of even prophets. Yeah. Or, uh, but Aaron becomes the one whose line they become the, the high priest. Now, Moses was a Levite as well. And you think, well, so why did Aaron, like what? Now, And I wonder um, if this has something to do with Moses shirking the responsibility. Now, now I know in the sovereignty of God yeah, and yeah. clearly in um, chapter 4, you know, where Moses is saying, please send someone else. Now, it does say the Lord's anger burned against, like he w- God was getting a little tired of Moses trying to shirk this, right? 100%. Because that, at that point by chapter 4, this is the second conversation. Mm, mm. Uh, and, and Moses is still saying, no, no, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. Yeah. Now, I mean, we see God's sovereignty there and that God had already made provision. Aaron was already on the way. Mm-hmm. Um we see in that conversation. So Aaron was already going to give him support. But I think, you know, because we know from the later story that things that Moses did had implications for him. You know, yes. the fact that he struck the rock rather than speaking to yes. it. Yes, yes. Um, that, you know, was important for a prophet. You've got to do exactly what the Lord You change the gesture, yes. you change the words. And that's yes. a serious uh, thing for, for a prophet. Um, so and and Moses doesn't enter the promised land. Now, in you know, in God's sovereignty, God had, uh, in a sense, preordained that Joshua would be the one to lead the people anyway. Yes. So there's a sense of God's sovereignty there. So I think um, clearly God had wanted Aaron to be a part of it. But there's still this interplay in the Bible between what God sovereignly chooses and and but there's still a strong sense that our choices matter. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and it also and there is definitely the the blessing there from the decisions of Moses's parents yeah. with the children. You know what yeah. I mean? Like Aaron and Moses yeah. sort of being connected as brothers and and being Levites in that way. But it's right. But I've always thought of it, and tell me, and again, we're thinking out loud here that it's almost like I'm going to use a word that you, <laughs> that you hate and I and I still struggle with, like the thought of dispensationalism that God does yeah. different things at different times yeah, yeah, with yeah. man. It's like that evolving. It's like God dealt with Moses and set up a priesthood and everything like that. But then, it's like the the the, the really close family sort of relationship type of thing doesn't yeah. really come out until David, <laughs> like that kingship. So I've always thought of it as yeah. I've sort of thought, thought of it as a natural progression in my head. Like Moses had this very interesting, unique relationship. The Levites came out of that, and then God sort of took it one step for, forward with David. Saying that right, Jesus is going to come from your line. It was like yeah, I don't well, know. I, I, well, the uh, well, actually, the uh, Aaron's descendants become, in a sense, the first that first kind of thing. Yeah. Now, and this is this is where this is what I'm noting here is that, um, you know, I mean, these questions they're not really the right questions to ask. But could that have been Moses' descendants? Yes. If yes, you I know, mean. if Moses and. You know, because there is that sense of consequences for actions yeah. and Moses at the start really shirks that and it says that God is angered by him and, and, 
And so um, Aaron is then speaks for Moses. So yeah. Aaron is elevated 100%. because Moses is shirking a bit of that. That's for sure. Uh, you but, know. But now Moses steps up. He, he, he does step up. Yeah, and we also get points in the story where Aaron steps down. Yeah, that's right. You know, Aaron, exactly. Aaron, you know, yeah. Aaron so yeah. there's grace involved in this. Yeah. <laughs> but I do, I do sort of, I sort of get the vibe of what you're saying that that God really does elevate Aaron. Yeah. Because of Moses's yeah, response, yeah, that's right. So I, so I think, uh, and it was pointed out. I, um, you know, I, I read in that suggestion in in a commentary as well, and I thought, gee, that's a really interesting yeah. point. There's something there about the complex interplay of what God sort of sovereignly chose to be, but there's also this sense that our decisions, yeah, yeah. actually have consequences. Man, these these anyway. Are the t- these are the type of questions one for people to think about. Yeah, yeah. These are the type of questions that really get me going and think, <laughs> oh man, one day I'll be able to sit at Jesus' feet and say, now what about this? Yeah, and we get all these. Yeah, that's right. Now we're we're trying to in this new reformatted version of uh, you know Thrive Deeper that we're doing. We want to cover your questions smack bang right at the beginning of the episode, and we're going to fly through a few of these. We've got a few questions uh, in the uh, in the old hopper here. Uh, now one that's been sitting around for a little while here is um, is uh, Tungy one Tungy's one yeah. now. She had a question about Esau, and I think we mentioned it on a previous yeah. episode. Cut a long story short, you're going to contact her directly. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I know. I know Tungy well enough. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Tungy, I'm going to have to just send you a whole lot of stuff on this because it's just too yeah. difficult to summarise. And it's a great and question. It, it about, really gets into the nitty-gritty yeah, question about, about Esau's descendants. Esau's descendants. Why do we get the genealogy the yeah. way that we did in the book of Genesis? I, I can Let me say just one thing generally yep. about that. Uh, his descendants are important because um, he is uh, a ch- he is uh, a child of Isaac, who's a child of Abraham. Yes. So that you know that people and and where they go and where they end up, there is significance uh, in that. Yeah. That's then where we get uh, into the details. So. Yeah. We might come back to that. It is, it's like even referencing the point that we said at the beginning, we want to sort of fly above a little bit of the text. Yeah. I mean, that's they, one of those wins right. where we can really get deep yeah. into it. Of course, they become the Edomites yes. and the Edomites become the arch enemies of, <laughs> uh, of the Israelites. So it's really interesting where Esau's descent goes. I mean, the two brothers, Jacob and Esau, um, they reconcile, but later on in history, um, Edom and, and Israel, yeah, are, are really at each other's throats. Yep. So it's an interesting uh, story. Yeah. Okay. Tony, thank you so much for your question. We appreciate it. Alan D got a hold of us. He said, hi, guys. Thanks for the great resource and all the work that you put in. My question is, after Jacob's name was changed to Israel, why was he still referred to as Jacob so often? Whereas when Abram became Abraham in the text, it's changed straight away. Mm. Thanks again, Alan. Good question. Yeah, that is a good question. It, it, it's it's not always the case. Sometimes a name is given. Uh, we see this in scripture, but the 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 um, the name is indicative of something. It doesn't necessarily uh, uh, hold the narrator to use that name. Like, I mean, you know, classic example, of course, is Jesus. He will be called Emmanuel. Yeah. Uh, well, he doesn't get called Emmanuel again ever in yeah. the story, but the point is is that that's, like his, a identi- that's his title identity, okay. you know. Okay. So this is who he is. Yep. Um, so uh, I think it's interesting that Jacob keeps getting called Jacob and yet who he is is contained in this idea of Israel. Yep. And the people that come from him, the 12 tribes, are known not as, well, sometimes they are known as as Jacob. Yes. Um, the, uh, 
uh, interesting when the kingdom splits and often talking about the northern kingdom, uh, it's often referred to as Jacob. And I wonder sometimes whether that's a bit of a hark back to the infamous beginning. Sometimes prophets like to remind this is don't feel self-entitled, just remember your humble beginnings. So Jacob is used there. Um, You know, perhaps that's what the narrator has in mind. But the important thing is that Israel becomes the name of the tribal confederacy that comes from uh, yeah. that comes from Jacob. So, so the name in, 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 indicates a new kind of identity that's bestowed upon him. But then that actually gets carried forth. Some, something that occurred to me people. when I re- when I read this question is is maybe it's because in the story of Abraham we're dealing still with just one man. Yeah, you know what I mean, and yeah. that's why it goes from Abram to yeah, Abraham yeah. straight yeah. away. Whereas with Jacob becoming Israel, we've got a lot of sons, we've got a lot of we've got a building a nation building. So we're dealing still with the person of Jacob, but there's mm. concept of like you said the nation mm. there. Maybe yeah. that's a contrast yeah. between the two. Abraham is still very much his story. Jacob becomes a story of Israel. Yeah, I think that's very true, particularly because that episode of of um, Jacob wrestling with God is is actually saying something prophetic about the identity of God's people. Yep. What is it that constitutes God's people? What is it that um, – what is the characteristic thing, the thing that should characterise them? Yep. Characterize them? And this connects with Paul's point. It's faith because what that episode of Jacob wrestling with God, that yes. I'm not going to let you go until you bless me, mm. that's what that's what faith is, right? Yep. Yep. And this is what this people – this is in a sense the, they are God's people – through faith, and of mm. course, Paul makes that uh, point abundantly. Okay, we got two more questions here from Chris. Uh, Chris says, "I'm assuming that the two midwives referred to in Exodus one were leaders of a number of midwives, or did most Hebrew women didn't have midwives attending their births? If the growth of the Hebrews was such a thing that the you know the the Pharaoh wanted to cull down the uh, uh, Israel the Hebrew people." Two women couldn't expect to attend every birth or maybe they had other people. So the question there is, is this example of the two midwives not being able to manage further demonstration of God's blessings? What are your thoughts about the two midwives? Um, yeah, there we're, we're getting into the nitty-gritty there. Uh, <laughs> but no, that's, that's a good a good pick-up. I mean, clearly it shows there that they weren't able to get to everyone. There are lots yeah. of children. And, and so they're not necessarily lying. They're just obviously God's blessing them so, the Hebrew um, people so much that they can't get to everyone now remember the hebrew people are forced into labor so uh, i think that's mainly the men but i think probably the women there's something on the women there as well so um you know there would have been a limit on how many people could probably work as midwives yep um uh, so they're, you know, perhaps they're throwing that back to Pharaoh. Well, you've only authorised two of us and we can't <laughs> keep up with everything. So uh, I'm not sure. I mean, that's really conjecture but because um, we're, we're not told. But yeah, the, the text seems to indicate that they actually can't keep up with it, with uh, it all. I found a little footnote that I, that I found very interesting that um, uh, one of the Jewish rabbis in the 11th century said that, you know, the two midwives, that we find out their names are, is it Shipra and Pura? Yeah. Um, he says one, there, there, was a, there was a belief there that the two Egyptian midwives were actually Moses' mother and Miriam. Now, yeah. I don't see... They're Hebrew midwives, they were. Yeah. Explicitly Hebrew midwives, yeah. Yeah, so if they're Hebrew, yeah. well, no, you, do you mean are they Egyptian midwives or Hebrew midwives? Well, it says that they're Hebrew midwives. That, okay, yeah. so they're Hebrew, Hebrew women... Yeah. 
So were these Egyptian names of yeah. the of uh, of, yeah, of Moses? Okay, yeah. That's one interpretation which uh, I found interesting. Oh, uh, look, rabbi- yeah, <laughs> rabbinic in, rabbinic commentary on 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 the text goes to all sorts of interesting yeah, places. Yeah. Well, and again, the only I, I don't I don't know if that actually flies because at the point of the point of the passage there, it says that you know um, because they had faith in God mm. and and because of that, God had blessed them. God ended up blessing yeah. them with big families yeah. of their own. So yeah. look, it's interesting. Some of the most interesting theories, yeah. <laughs> even a lot that I really like, actually come out of rabbinic commentary yeah. uh, on, on the text. Yeah. All right, we got one final question here from Julie B. Uh, Julie says that when Moses flees Egypt, he meets his future wife at a well whilst helping her water the sheep. She goes, and and this is what I love her thinking, I love the thinking of the question here. Jacob also met his wife this way. Is there significance of this? Because the same thing happens with Isaac. His servant is in the same situation. She says, hang on, you know, basically, has this got something to do with Jesus and wells, a good (laughs) shepherd, the sheep. She's she's thinking in these patternly ways. Yeah. I love it, Julie. I love it. Yeah, it could just be a cultural thing that that's where a very disparate nomadic people tended to gather. Yes, around waterholes. It's a little bit like, um, you know, uh, you know, I chatted up this girl at the water cooler at work. You know, because that's <laughs> that's where you just tend to, or, or, or in the coffee room or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, uh, I, I, bu- I bumped into somebody at the mall. Well, this person bumped at somebody at the mall. Well, hang yeah. on, is the mall special? Yeah. Well, no, that's where everybody. You yeah, know, it's just where everyone meets. So it could be. Uh, as as ordinary as something like that. Yeah, but I like uh, this thing. Yeah, I do. I, I, yeah. I like this pattern thinking of going, yeah. hang on, there's something going on and, there. And in in a lot of cases, those patterns are there. Uh, yeah, they are they are notable. Yeah. And the fact that that so many uh, that happens in so many cases, um, there could be uh, there could be something notable about what that is, or it could just be a cultural. Yeah. Yeah, you know, an obvious sort of cultural thing. I like it. I like it. Well, that's all the questions we've mm. got uh, for us for us right now. Now, we last week we could hear a pa- last week last fortnight last episode we could hear a palpable groan from you, Matthew, when I said we've run out of time, we've hit the time marker because there was a story <laughs> at the end of chapter four yeah. that you were desperate to get to well, in the life of Moses. Desperate to get to because of its strangeness, um, and this is when Moses. Um, is in some ways on his he, he's re, he's on his way to Egypt, uh, evidently uh, because he's at a lodging place on the way. This is chapter four, verse twenty-four, mm. um, and he's with his family. Now, the interesting thing is his family don't appear to go to Egypt with him all the way. It seems that they went part of the way because what we do know is that they ended up back it, with the Midianites because yes. then um, later on in the story. Uh, Ruel or Jethro turns up with his with sons and mother, mm. with the sons and wife, uh, so she rejoins them later. Mm. But it seems she's going at least part of the way and it says he had a lodging place on the way. The Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. But Zipporah, that's his wife, took a flint knife, cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord let him alone. And he said, uh, bridegroom of blood, uh, referring to circumcision. Um, All right. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's, it's strange. And look, there's, a, there's discussion around this. But, you know, again, the, the sort of principle that I've applied here is that when you get a strange story like this, there's generally something indicative about that story. This is um, alluding to something beyond 
just the story. So mm. looking for an easy model, this is what we go, what is that about? What's it, you know, if this is just about outcome, that's not going to get us there. This is clearly uh, – so um, circumcision is the sign of the covenant. Yes. Um, Moses has gone into uh, – you know, gone to the Midianites. Um, it – some have suggested that Moses may not have been circumcised because from the young, from a very young age mm. he he was brought up in uh, Pharaoh's household. And I know, you know you've suggested that maybe he was recognised as a Hebrew because he was circumcised. Yeah. But uh, a, lo- a lot of scholars suggest that he probably wasn't, really? and that this is of issue here, uh, and and that his um, that his son well certainly his sons hadn't been circumcised. Okay, yes. now whatever is the case with Moses, uh, I mean. See, the suggestion is here because um, uh, one commentator suggests that, you know, Moses' feet um, is, is a euphemism for his private parts. I mean, it's like yeah. between his feet. I mean, maybe I think that's stretching it a little bit, but whether, you know, Moses wasn't circumcised and so this, uh, you know, she's um, circumcising her son. And uh, e- either way, w- whether Moses was or wasn't, I, the point here is that his son wasn't. Now, this is a problem. Uh, because um, because this is the sign of the covenant and God is actually doing what he's doing in answer to his covenant with Abraham. Yeah. So there's a break here. Now, someone might, might might say, oh, look, what's the big deal? Can't he get to that later? Like, Why, why does God want to kill him just for that? No, no, this is a prophetic event, okay? okay? So this isn't just about, this isn't just between Moses. No. This is symbolically declaring something to everyone. Yes. So God is, you know, so it's like, and in a sense, what this looks like is what's about to happen in Egypt. God is coming. It's like the angel of, the angel of death is coming. Mm. And the angel of death is going to pass over mm-hmm. the Israelites um, because they are covered, as it were, by the sign of the blood. Yes. Okay. Um, and this, I think, kind of preempts that. Mm. So what is it, what protection does he have? Because Moses is... Like every other human being, is not deserving of God's mercy. Yeah. Uh, it's only because of God's promise uh, to made to Abraham that is passed on through uh, to Moses and the Israelites. We know that's why God's saving the Israelites. Yeah, but but Moses um, has hasn't really uh, he hasn't in a sense taken this sign of the covenant serious. I mean, there's a few things that here at this point that Moses is. He's a little slow getting. Oh, he's getting to the mark, isn't he? Slow. Yeah, he's I, slow getting to the mark, and this is part of his he's, slowness. He's, he's beyond. He's beyond slow. I mean, I I think sometimes we skip over, and again, we're trying to get through things quickly. But Moses is downright obstinate in the yeah. face of God. Well, yeah, like he 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 questions God not once or twice. It's like four or five times he says no. Yeah, he basically says no to God, yeah. and to the point where. You know, when we leave him at that point, God is furious with him and says, I'm going to use Aaron. I've already organised all of that. It was all yeah. going to be okay. Yeah. I don't know if that's a lingering – part of me feels like was that a lingering anger from God over that and this is part of that process? I, I don't know. Well, I think the account demonstrates that Moses isn't called because of Moses' character. Amen. Yep, that's great. Right. Yep, uh, yep. And 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 this, you know, the Israelites are going to remember Moses and remember, well, Moses is really slow in obeying God and – was a bit recalcitrant and, yep. you know, but God comes through like he still becomes who he's meant to be. And that's in the sense that's comforting. It's like you can mess it up, you can turn the other way, you can be like Jonah and run off. But, you know, God's, yeah. you know, he's, he's that committed to us. And yet here what we see is that 
um, you know, there is this there is this tension here, mm. and it it becomes this prophetic event here. Yes. Now, from this point of view, actually, um, you know, circumcision is going to become a really important thing for this people group and yes. before Joshua takes the people into uh, into the promised land. Uh, he has to circumcise the people. It's like, you know, at key points, circumcision becomes the thing that reminds this people um, that you're, you are under God's protection and God's blessing, not because you deserve it. Yeah. And in, the Mos- in Moses' case, clearly that no. he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, but because of God's promise. It's yeah. because of God's promise to Abraham that you're inheriting. It's like that stream that of promises flowing into your life. Yes. Um, but you need to do something to receive that. It's like it just takes that faith, that saying yes to God, mm. and and that yes to God was signified uh, by circumcision. So, you know, J- um, Joshua's saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Yeah. How do you signify that, you and your household? Mm. Circumcision is the way that you do that. You, you've just got me thinking there, Matt. I'm having a bit of a, a little light bulb is flickering over my head because in the next few books of Moses – we will get accounts where Moses will clearly talk to the uh, Hebrew people yeah. about God's wanting them to be circumcised of the heart. Yeah, that's right. Not a thing. And I wonder every time that Moses brings up this concept of circumcision, he's remembering this night where he was yeah, nearly killed right. by yeah. God and his wife was able to save him through, you know, yeah. through remembering this covenant type of thing. And, and, and that's an important definition uh, of the point of circumcision, of course. Yeah. You know, circumcise your hearts yeah. and it's in... You know Deuteronomy, and uh, so, but nevertheless, the actual um, the actual sign becomes important. It's like you know, um, I think we daren't downplay a sign like baptism, for example. Like uh, you know that that if because I think uh, I think these signs that we're given uh, to signify our yes to God are actually really they are really important to God. So if you have believed, if you, you know, if you have turned to God and believed in Jesus Christ and entrusted your life to him, signify it by being baptized. Like that's the Lord. You know, God wants us to do that. Um, and, uh, but certainly here, um, this, in a sense, the point of this strange story is to demonstrate in, in a way that presages the, the sort of, the Passover scenario, mm. God, the angel of death is coming yeah. to Egypt but passes over because of the sign of the blood. Here we also have the sign of the blood. I like it. Uh, that, you know, and, and, and the bridegroom of blood here, yes. you know, Oof. that, um, the, yeah, it's that same kind of language that's being used here. And so Moses, in a sense, what's happening to the Israelite, what's going to happen with the Israelites in the whole Passover um Scenario is happening first here to Moses himself. It's it's uh, the other factor. I, I I love I love that thinking of it. The other factor here that really you know sprang out to me at the end of chapter four is that God is not just relying on Moses. He's got Zipporah. You know somehow God has communicated this yeah. somehow yeah. to Zipporah, his wife. Yeah. And what a great you know picture of a wife's you know role there with a husband, but also at the same time God is speaking to Aaron and saying, right, you need to go meet Moses. Yeah. So God's coordinating. Well, she knows. I mean, she knows to do this. Now, yeah. this is interesting and here we get into the Midianites who are relatives of the Israelites. So That's it. Moses' uh, second wife, um, uh, 
has this son Midian and they become the Midianites. Now, the Midianites probably preserve this. Abraham's second wife. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, yeah sorry. Abraham's That's second okay. wife. Um, uh, so Midian is the son of Abraham by his second wife. They become the Midianites. They probably, I would say, preserved yeah. uh, the, the rite of circumcision. But here Moses uh, doesn't really get to this because he's, and again, this is where people think him being Egyptian because, see, he has been separated yeah. from. The Israelites lived in the land of Goshen. He's living in the palace from the youngest age. Yeah. So I do think there's something to this fact that f- Moses is still thinking like an Egyptian. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so when God appears to him, yeah. he's not, oh, who, who are you? What? Yeah. Who are you? Yeah. Uh, he's not as familiar with God as I think probably his own people in Egypt are and as probably the, even the Midianites are yeah. because he's grown up in Egypt quite isolated from that. I love it. I love it. That's a, that's a great point. All right, well, wrapping up Chapter 4 here, Moses and Aaron are connected. Moses tells Aaron everything that is going on and they head to the elders of Israel together back in the land of Goshen yeah. there near Egypt. All right, we're going to get into the next three chapters. We're going to plough through that on, uh, as we continue through Thrive Deeper. Let's take a quick break and get ready to head into Chapter 5, 6 and 7 together of the Book of Exodus on Thrive Deeper. <laughs> Family, it's DJ here, and thank you so much for downloading and supporting Thrive Deeper. I just wanted to take a moment in the middle of this week's show and let you know what is going on behind the scenes at the Thrive Network. We have got a brand new show, it just launched this week Thrive Perspectives, our introduction to Thrive Perspectives. And this is a little bit different, a little bit different to Thrive Deeper, where Thrive Deeper, we are going through our Bible study together uh, very methodically, and we're sort of constrained about what we're going through in the Thrive Daily Reading Guide. Thrive Perspectives is a chance for you to ask Matthew and myself questions that maybe don't come up through Thrive, maybe some bigger questions, some perspectives and worldviews that you have in your Christian walk. Well, what you want to do is head over to the newly revamped website, thrivetoday.tv. That's thrivetoday.tv. We have all of our resources, the podcast, the video series, the books, everything that you need is available at thrivetoday.tv. You can head over there and get all the links, all the information that you need at thrivetoday.tv. TV. So think of Thrive Today as the network. These are the shows that we're putting out and you can head over to Facebook and join in the discussion in our community groups there. It's all explained at thrivetoday.tv. All right, let's get back into the book of Exodus on this edition of Thrive Deeper. Deeper. We've got our Bibles open to the fifth chapter of the book of Exodus, and we are reading through this exciting time of Moses and Aaron coming to Pharaoh. Now, Matthew, 
one of the most important characters, and this is an entirely new sort of theme in the Bible. As we've just gone through Genesis and we've seen different patterns coming and different ideas coming through uh, what is going on, this idea of the evil king, the evil Mm. pharaoh being all out evil and bad, the big bad guy. We haven't seen a character like this before in the book of Genesis. Mm. We've had hints of bad dudes and wars and stuff like this. But this guy, God has got his eye on Pharaoh yeah. and we get some pretty disturbing things out of the mouth of God about Pharaoh's heart and what God has got prepared for him. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that uh, in a moment because going yeah. to talk about God hardening Pharaoh's heart. Uh, but, yeah, Pharaoh becomes the chief villain uh, of of the story and uh, Pharaoh, this is important because Pharaoh was seen as a god. Mm. The Pharaoh was seen as a god. Uh, sort of um, even I would say even more than semi-divine. He had this kind of divine status. So this is this is a showdown. Uh, who Who is God? Mm. Uh, who controls the land? Now one of the key roles um, of, of Pharaoh um, was to was to be the guardian of the order. A lot of the, the we've talked in previous episodes about this idea of chaos and order and we see that Genesis speaks to that idea of chaos and order. Well, that was a very strong, ever-present idea in Egyptian society and um, the pharaoh was, in a sense, the guardian of that order. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so what is going to happen here is that God is going to come and his judgment is going to unleash chaos on, onto the nation of Egypt. Yeah, uh, to show that Pharaoh to show is not, Pharaoh's in- not in charge. He's not... It's not Pharaoh's not in charge. I am. Mm. So this is the significance of why this is going to be a drawn out showdown, yeah. because God is. It's. It's at this point. It's not just doing something. It's also saying something. Yeah. God wants to declare that there is no other God besides me. And we're going to see when we look at the plagues next week. We're going to see how the the actual plagues themselves, in many ways, are a polemic against the gods of Egypt. Yeah you know, and and Pharaoh in, in particular. Mm. So, um, so yes, Pharaoh becomes this arch villain, but it's partly because of who Pharaoh claims to be. So he's sitting there on his throne with his crown on, uh, right on the forehead of his crown is a snake. You know, I've already seen the snake before. Is yeah. becomes the symbol uh, of Satan. You know, uh, you can't help but think there's some kind of connection there yes um with with, with this pharaoh this being the sort of tool of of the serpent in some sense Definitely. certainly uh yeah certainly a a figure who stands against god and the, the claims of god because he has taken possession of god's people yeah yeah and we see it right from the beginning like in that first introduction that first conversation at the burning bush after god reveals who he is we see and, and knowing this historical background helps us because Moses really trembles and says, mm. who am I to stand in front yeah, of Pharaoh? Exactly. Yeah. I like, the, you know, because he's, he's been, he's, raised, been brought, he's been raised to believe that Pharaoh is this divine figure. Exactly. Yeah. And God, you know, keeps on telling him who he is, but then God also says right at the very, very beginning, I'm asking you to do this, but I know that I'm going to have to send multitude plagues to him because he will not yeah. let the people go. Yeah, He's right. warning Moses about the process that's going to yeah. it's going to happen in that prophetic sort of way. Yeah. And now as we get introduced to Aaron and Moses actually approaching 
yeah. you know, Pharaoh. And it's a very interesting concept that these two leaders of these Israeli class here, the Hebrew class, yeah. get to come into the court all the time in front of Pharaoh yeah. and have these and discussions. And you wonder, you wonder how that is the case and, and I wonder whether that is because of Moses' previous I was thinking exactly uh, the same thing. I, yeah. I think that may well be the case. So uh, I just don't see how really a slave is going to have access to Pharaoh's court. But uh, someone who, is, uh, who was formerly a prince of Egypt may well. Yeah. Uh, and... You know, for because he's still, um, you know, he's still in a sense a death sentence over his head. I, look, I can understand why Moses is. This is like, war, <laughs> yes. you know, this, this is like walking the into the, the police crime, station. Yeah. You know, going back to the scene of yeah. the crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 saying, here I am. I mean, um, so uh, so he he go he, he takes this in really what is a enormous step of faith. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is here is that when he does this, I mean, he goes to the Israelites first and he does these signs before them. They yep. believe and they're like, yay, yay. You, we've got uh, you back, yeah, Moses. We, we've got you back. Yes, you know, uh, go to Pharaoh. He goes to Pharaoh, demands that Pharaoh... Res- well, the, fa- the response of Pharaoh, you got me thinking here because, you know, Mo- the Pharaoh being, you know, with that serpent yep. on his on his crown and stuff like that, in chapter 5, verse 2, our first, yep. our first conversation with Pharaoh... And, oh, my goodness, does this echo the serpent in the garden? Yeah. When Moses yep. says to him, this is what the Lord God, and he says, huh, is that so? Retorted, <laughs> retorted yeah. Pharaoh. And who is this Lord? Yeah. And why should I listen to him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. Oh, Yeah, it's wow. really, really arrogant and it really opens up. the and And in a sense... You know that picture of striking the heel and crushing oh, the head. Yeah. Like there's going to be a striking of the heel first before there's a crushing of the head. I mean that that pattern in uh, Genesis three fifteen. Like a battle is a battle, yeah. and there is the striking of the heel before the crushing of the head. And what we see here is that Pharaoh says, "No, I'm not going to let them go. And in fact, I'm going to make the people work harder." So yeah. he tells his slave drivers not to provide the Israelites with straw; they oh. have to go and get it themselves. And so this is the interesting thing. Moses goes in, does what he's meant to do, and actually things get worse, mm. like significantly worse. Yeah. Now, imagine <laughs> what, is, what then goes through the head. It's like, you know what, I stepped out in faith. I did what God wanted me to do, and things have gotten worth, worse. I mean, for everyone who, who has felt like that's happened to you, <laughs> you, let me tell you, you're not the first one, um, because this is, this is clearly like a... Um, this is clearly an exercise faith moment. This isn't the sort, first time this kind of thing happens, actually. Mm. Where so just so, lest we think that that the life of faith is formulaic. Mm. I'll obey God, yes, and then yes. straight away I get blessed. Oh. No, 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 no. You have faith in God to the end. Yeah. You know, even when even when it seems like you're not, you yeah. just keep holding on. Like because because I mean, what a great te- and this is a test. On so many different levels and such a beautiful picture of what it is like. I mean, not a beautiful picture for the people at the time because literally they're having to work more. They don't have the straw to produce what they're doing. Mm. The foremen who are controlling all of this stuff are coming back to Pharaoh saying, dude, (laughs) chill, man. We can't do what you're asking to do. It's no matter how hard. And Pharaoh's response is you're all just too lazy 
Go for it. And then the fo- the foreman come back to Moses and Aaron said, what are you doing? Yeah, what have doing? you done? What have, I mean, you can imagine Yeah, how, you have made it worse for I mean, us. you just think they're going to kill you're going to yeah. kill them. Uh, and then I love the fact that Moses' response goes back to the Lord yeah. and it says he protests the Lord. It's one of the, the classic moments. Yeah. Of, and it's like we're right in the Psalms here. Yes, exactly. This is Because this is what I mean by this. Such This is such a common feature yeah. of the spiritual life. And the point here is that, you, you know, you don't, uh, you, it's not like faith has a, an immediate reward. It, faith is about holding. It's like Jacob. I'm, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. It keeps on holding on, you know. And and so what we see here is Moses actually exercising that faith, and and it begins with complaint, like yeah. many of the Psalms. Amen. Complaint is an act of faith. Yeah. He doesn't abandon the Lord and turn to some other god or his own. Or he doesn't or, try or, to manage it himself and say, "Oh, gee, I must have heard or, it wrong." Or hightail it back. Yeah. <laughs> Back into the I'll go back to Zipporah yeah. the gang. I mean, that's there. what I'm thinking. I, yeah. I, I would have been tempted to do. Yeah. Right, I'm out of here. Yeah. Back to the desert. I'll leave it to you, Aaron. See yeah. you, bye. I'm off. I'm off. Yeah. So you know, it says Moses returned to the Lord and said, "Why, Lord? Uh, I mean, you know, I think so many times. Why, why, yeah. why, Lord, have you brought trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me? Ever since I went to Pharaoh, speaking your name, he has brought trouble on this people and has not rescued your people at all. Then the Lord said to Moses, and this is the beautiful moment where, um, where God. Um, reiterates the promise, uh, you know, the promise, this is who I am, I'm serious about this. Again, it's it's very much like the structure yeah. of the Psalms where you get this complaint and then a reminder of the promise and the taking hold of that promise. Well, yeah. God reiterates that promise. I am the Lord. I'm with my people. I'm serious about my covenant with Abraham. I'm going to say, uh, you know, I'm going to save them. So keep going. Keep yeah. holding on and go back. It's like... You got bucked off the horse. Get back on it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that's what they do. They go back. Um, and and that that concept here. And it, and it's funny. I think something changes in, in my reading of this. And I could be just you know putting my own thoughts in it. I see that I, I feel like something changes as in Moses here with this relationship with yeah. this God that he's discovering. Yeah. There's quite a boldness there in the way that he approaches yeah, God. Now. There, yeah. There's such a. I mean, we've seen this obstinance in, in Moses' yeah. nature when God approaches him. But now with this, he really comes with an honest complaint. God answers him in such a clear way saying what he's going to do and what his plans are. And I love the fact that, you know, depending on the translation, you know, in the New Living Translation I read here in part of in chapter 6, when God is answering yeah. Moses, God says, I am well aware of my promise to, <laughs> to yeah. the people. I know what this and, is And that's important because that's God's answer. Mm. God's yeah. answer isn't, oh, yeah, sorry, uh, yeah, I got it. No, no, God's saying, no, no, keep holding on because I am serious about my promise. So he, it's like he elevates the promise in response to Moses. It's like don't lose faith, Moses, keep holding on. Here's the promise, I'm serious about this. That's why we get, it's, it's given the reiteration of the promise in Chapter 6 is given quite a bit of space yeah. at that point. Yes. And this is interesting. It's when things get worse yeah. rather than better. He exercises faith, things get worse. There we get this lengthy reiteration of the promise, right? Keep holding on, Moses, don't let go. And then um, so they go back again and, uh, and um, well, no, well, God says, go say this to Pharaoh. Now this is where we get to an interesting thing yeah. because Moses needs to be prepared for the, for the fact that this is going to be drawn out. Yeah, It's not going to be... One and uh, done. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, one in a day. This isn't going to be over in a yeah. day. Like Moses is going to need to really exercise faith here because he's going to have to go back and back, back. and back and keep yeah. going back. 
And it says here, and the Lord said to Moses, see I've, um, uh, see, I've made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. You ought to say everything that I command you, and your brother Aaron is to tell Pharaoh to let the Israelites go out of his country. Here it is, verse 3. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Yeah. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Mm. I mean, why would... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think um, this is probably the biggest question mark a lot of people have uh, over this. Um, why would God speak to Pharaoh through Moses yes. but at the same time harden Pharaoh's heart? I mean, it's like at in one sense... There's so many things to say about this, but oh. in one sense it doesn't seem fair, does it? it depending, it, it, again, for me, yeah, right, yeah, to answer the question, I'm going to talk Rose. about this because there's, yeah. there's some really good perspective on there's, this. There's, there's uh, some great but, perspectives on this, but it's it's times like this where I, I, I get to see, I feel, a glimpse of this, of the God that we worship being outside of the time-space continuum yeah, that yeah, we are yeah. because he talks about it in such a way. But then in the narrative of what we see through the plagues, and we'll get into that on the next episode, we see a definitely definite change of language about halfway through the plagues yeah. where almost God gives Pharaoh yeah. over to the sin that he is. Yeah, that's right. You know, he's given him a chance with yeah. Moses, yeah. but he knows he's not going to take that chance. And that's where we go... Hang on, he's giving him a chance, but he knows he's not going to take the chance. That rattles our little our little brains yeah. trapped in time. Yeah, it does. But this is this idea that God's going to harden Pharaoh's heart, and you're going to we're going to see this through. You know, uh, there's going to be this plague, and you think surely Pharaoh's going to let them go now. So, oh, whatever, just go, just go. Now, eventually, he does do that, but uh, he just holds on and holds on, and. And it says again and again and again that God hardened Pharaoh's heart so that he would not let the people go. Okay, So you think, hang on, what's going on here is God causing, like almost overriding free will. Pharaoh's almost free will here. Yeah. Well, actually, no, that's not the case. And there's actually a theme here. This actually, this, this, is, some, this is a feature. You know, again, we interpret scripture with scripture. Yeah. Now, let's shoot forward to... Um, Jesus, and I think this is the best perspective on this. In Matthew chapter 13, uh, Jesus uh, says this. He's, he gives the parable of the sower, right? Uh, and he said um, uh, that, that they say to Jesus, why are you speaking in parables? This is after all of this conflict, right? He's just in Matthew chapter 13, there's been rejection, rejection, yes, rejection, yes. right? Now he starts speaking in, in gobble, like what, what, yeah. you're speaking in riddles now. They're yes. saying, why are you speaking in riddles? You've been speaking clearly up to this point. What's suddenly now the riddles for? And Jesus answers, he says, because the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you but not to them. Now, this is the key part. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Now, again, this is a complicated one. For This might muddy the waters more for some people. But let me explain this so that we can go back to Pharaoh. There's a principle here I'm going to refer to it as the principle of polarisation. Okay, if you are willing to uh, walk with Christ and God wants to make you more willing, you know, it's like, but if you're not and there's some other reason why maybe you think there's some benefit or cultural uh, sort of pressure or like Pharaoh, um, you see, Pharaoh doesn't want to, he's not going to give up being God. No. He doesn't want to let these people go. He's still, he's not given up his pride, not for one moment here. 
right to the end does Pharaoh want to do this. So Pharaoh is exercising his, but what God is doing is polarizing this. Like, you want to have a hard heart? I'm going to harden it even more. Yes. So that you are absolutely irrationally hard-hearted. So it's like this is what, I mean... This is what God actually even does in, in our lives, actually. He polarizes things. Yep. He, he wants to bring out both the best and the worst in you, right? Mm-hmm. So, and let me explain that. Like if there's something bad in you, he wants you to see that, right? So he polarizes it. Yep. Just let, lest you, you know, the, it's like, ah, uh, there's this kind of gray area in my heart. No, no, God, black, I'm going to make this black and white so that you see your problem, right? So what God often does is that he brings that to the surface, mm-hmm. compounds that in some mm-hmm. way. Right? If there's a hardness of heart, I'm going to make it irrationally so that, so that you ask yourself, what is wrong with me? Yeah. And God says, that's a really good question. Yeah, 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 I'm glad yeah. you asked. So, <laughs> uh, so what's happening here is, you know, here, here's this hard-hearted, pride, prideful Pharaoh. Yeah. And at one point it actually says that Pharaoh hardened his heart as well. Yes. It's at one point yeah. uh, it says that. So we know even from the text that Pharaoh's heart is hard. Yes. So what God does is... It's the principle that Jesus says, whoever has will be given more, whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Yep. So Pharaoh doesn't have the willingness to let God be God. Yep. Now he's tempted because, oh, man, I'm seeing all of these miracles and everything going on, and, and, but you know, God's going to harden his heart so that his pride becomes any, just absolutely irrational. Exactly. For, it, it actually is shown for what it is. Yeah, yeah. We see sin for what it is. This is a great. This is a great picture. And also, I would say, for me, going through at this time, and, and you're echoing it perfectly. There, I was thinking of the beginning of the book of Romans from yep. Paul in Paul's wisdom. Yes, good, in the in the way that cross reference. Yeah, yeah, the way that he looks at the natural world that God has set up. Yeah. You know, in the in the, like the natural universe and the way that Paul sees things yeah. through God's eyes, it's exactly that same yeah. thing. You. You were given a chance, but when you decide to turn your back, well, you're really going to, you, you know, he's yeah. going to let well, you he go. Says, and God, well, he said. God uh, has given them yeah, over. They, uh, they refused to worship God because they wanted to practice wickedness. And, and then he says, and so God gave them over yeah. to that evil. Yeah. And, and so there's this sense in which God says, you want to do that? Then I'm going to plummet you right into it. Yeah. You know, you want evil? I'll give you well, it's not the source of it isn't yes. God, but God is going to, uh, in a sense, compound that. Mm. Uh, mm. And again, it's this polarization effect. And you see, we've you know we see the same thing in Revelation. Revelation, yes. uh, you know, and it's so interesting to look at Exodus in the light of Revelation. I mean, this is another, uh, you know, another interesting perspective. But really, in a, in a way, Revelation is the ca- caps off the whole of scripture in, in many ways. And mm. what you get is this great polarization effect. Yeah. So that the, you know, as you go on through the book of Revelation, God's people are in white and, and celebrating and, 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 and those who are, you know, are rebelling against God are cursing God and it's just black and white. There's no grey. Yeah. As you, it's you get this polarization, and this is and again, we're in the we're in the books of the beginnings, and it's a great reminder to remember that the that Pharaoh is an introduction of this type who is going to stand in in against God to the nth degree and bring destruction down on himself. Good call, and in 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 many ways, uh, the sort of ultimate antitype is like the antichrist of 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 the New Testament of Revelation, the beast of Revelation. 
exercising these godlike powers. It really looks like Pharaoh. Yeah. And and the ans- the plagues that God answers with in the book of Revelation are going to really mirror the plagues of uh, here of, of Exodus. So there's a strong connection between Revelation and Exodus. All right. It's deep stuff. Talk deep. about deeper. <laughs> <laughs> now let's wrap up with this. We get, um, just very briefly, we get a at the end of Chapter 6, we get a little quick... Uh, you know, body count basically with the tribes there of yeah. Israel and who's in there. Yeah. Won't spend any any time yeah. of that other than saying that yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's in the text just because yeah. Yeah. we know what we're doing with here, the introduction. Yeah, because who they are and their lineage is important because yeah. it's, yeah, they're the children of uh, of Jacob, yeah. Now we, we want to start off uh, on the next episode looking at the plagues. Yeah. And the plagues begin halfway through Chapter 7. Yeah. And so let's have a – I wanted to finish off looking at this first introduction yeah. to Aaron and Moses in front of the in front of the people here and Aaron's – at the beginning of Chapter 7 with Aaron's mm. staff becoming a serpent. Mm. Well, you know, interesting because of the – again, the serpent is sort of the symbol of, of Egypt in some uh, senses. You know, if you have a look, if you Google, you know, say Tutankhamun or, or a pharaoh in a yeah. classic headdress yeah. – you'll see a, a serpent on, yes. on, on his um, forehead. So, um, so this, is a, this is, I guess, an important signification. It's like almost this kind of first indication that uh, God has power over this, this cl- um, claim of you – know, that God's power mm. trumps the claim of, of Pharaoh uh, in that sense – so, you know, the staff turning to the snake isn't just an arbitrary trick. Yes. It actually has this symbolism. And, you know, I think, I think it is because Exodus is self-consciously linking back to Genesis mm. and the fact that it turns into a serpent. Uh, it's like this is, you know, this is the staff that Moses holds in his hand, yeah. right? It's yeah. like his tool. Yeah. Uh, so the snake worn on on. Pharaoh's head is like well, it's like the the symbol of Pharaoh, and ultimately see a symbol of the evil that Pharaoh stands for. Yeah. But what's going to happen? We're going to see in Egypt is that God is going to wield Pharaoh as his tool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like as though Pharaoh were his staff. Mm. You know. So, yeah. so this idea of the staff becoming the snake yes. um, is, I think, is significant for that reason. A couple little, couple little points, and I'm going to be the Bible nerd here. Important to note, it's Aaron's staff. Oh, it's Aaron's staff, it's, yes, sorry. It, yeah, it's, yeah. it's Aaron's staff, which I find really fascinating yeah, yeah. that Aaron has been given this elevated yeah. position here with Moses. And so we get, we get God, you know, basically telling them what's going to go down. They go before Pharaoh. They do it. They show them this miracle. But then... The sorcerers, the Egyptian sorcerers alongside for do the same. The Egyptian magician sorcerers do the same thing with their magic. They threw down their staffs, also became serpents, but then Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Yeah. And then we finish off with that classic line, Pharaoh's heart, however, remained hard. Yeah. He still refused to lessen just as the Lord had predicted. That's an interesting point about Aaron's stuff too because here Aaron is slightly eclipsing Pharaoh. uh, Not Well, he's eclipsing Pharaoh but he's eclipsing Moses here because remember uh, Aaron is the guy that's doing the talking here. Yeah. So that's where it's his staff that that, that matters. We're going to see more about Aaron's staff further on in the story. Exactly. Uh, But, yeah, it is interesting as you say 
are the sorcerers? How now this, how do they do this? Now this is the question that I wanted to leave you with with this on this episode <laughs> because I'll give you what I where yeah, I take yeah, it yeah. because I'm you know you know me I'm Mr Literal and I want to yeah, I want to yeah. live in a world where this type of stuff can happen. I believe that there was some full on satanic magic yeah. going on here and these these. Uh, evil sorcerers who were tapping into something, you know, uh, very mystical in this, you know, early, early, you know, universe that they're living in. Yeah. And they were able to do this same trick. Yeah. But, of course, God was greater and able to swallow up their, you mm. know, their, their, their things there. I know we have a lot. I, of, I, I agree. I, like I, I think that uh, because I, I think there are really dark powers at work here. Yeah. Um, in, in a way this – because – in the law that God's going to give to the Israelites, he talks a lot about sorcery and divination and those who practice magic arts, right? Mm-hmm. And you think, oh, is this just trickery? No, I think actually because the whole justification for not um, mixing with that people is that there's some really dark occultic stuff going on exactly. here. And yeah. it's not just empty stuff. Like I think it's real dark spiritual stuff going on here. I'm 100% And I idea. think that's already present here. I think it shows that actually there, there are this, there is this uh, insidious kind of demonic thing going on here yep. that can copy part of the way, but this is the point here, it can copy part of the way but in the end within two plagues it's they've lost. They yep. can't. Yep. They can't copy this anymore. The fact that they can copy the uh, the... The snake and the blood, I think that's interesting. And yep. it's just like they can go that far. Uh, it's like they can make, you know, they can bring forth blood and they can make a snake. It's, it's like that's part of that insidious kind of power that they have. Yes. But once you get more cosmic and over nature and they're just lost yeah. uh, at that point. Okay. So that's, I, I think that's a, that's a good point. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad we're on yeah. the same page here. Okay, so we're wrapping up um, this episode here. We're about to embark in our reading through Thrive. We're going to get into the next ten plays, <clears throat> yeah. you know. Matt, what do you want us to keep us in mind, keep in our minds as we go through the ten plagues and see mm. what plays out here because there's some pretty heavy stuff going yeah. on. Yeah, well, the, the key idea here is that God is sovereign and through all of the obstacles, you could not imagine at that time a bigger obstacle to God's people moving forward. It's like God had made a promise, you are going to be a great people with a significant role and you're going to take God's blessing to the ends of the earth. You could not have imagined a bigger obstacle. They're slaves in the, to the most powerful empire at the time, but God is going to set them free. And, you know, this is the same thing... Uh, you know, the disciples would have been thinking the same thing when Jesus was talking about the kingdom. We're a bunch of fishermen in subjection to the Romans. It's like we we are so insignificant and there are so many obstacles ahead. And, you know, and then within the first generation, they're heavily persecuted. You know, this is God showing his sovereignty against all odds. And I think when you take hold of God's purpose, the key thing is you've got to keep holding on to the promise hold on to the promise and don't let go because god will come through and be faithful in the end well it's an awkward spot to leave moses 
But on the next edition of Thrive Deeper, we get into the big 10 plagues, the plagues of Egypt. You don't want to miss out that in a fortnight from now. That's right. Thrive Deeper is every two weeks. But don't worry, we don't leave you in the lurch. On the alternative weeks, we've got the all new Thrive Perspectives. Just do a search for Thrive Perspectives in the podcast app that you like to use and you will find it right there, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify or any other app that you'll use. You'll be able to find it by searching Thrive Perspectives. You can find out all the information at thrivetoday.tv, the brand new website, thrivetoday.tv. Well, we'll see you in a fortnight. Until then, Thrive. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible as you go through it with Thrive. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all of our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visit ratethispodcast.com slash thrivedeeper. If you appreciate what we do and want to help us reach more people, go to ratethispodcast.com slash thrivedeeper. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper into God's Word and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production. <laughs>